Welcome to the Harrison Faith Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Brian Herring. It's our prayer. This message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Well, good morning, family, church family. It's good to be with us with you this morning. It's an honor to be able to stand before you this morning. I do want to thank the leadership for uh, inviting me to do this this morning. It's just always a privilege to be able to share God's word with God's people. Amen. Pastor Caleb had mentioned that I might go through those doors there, but I got thinking, I've never been back there before. And Maybe there's a whole lot of doors, you know, back there that I don't know which one would come up on the platform. So I decided to come up over here. So, uh, Pastor Caleb, you'll just have to introduce me sometime to the what's back there, all right? All right. Well, welcome November. My goodness, we've stepped into uh, a whole new season of life. You know, as a kid, I would, you know, wait for, it seemed like time just moved so slow. You ever notice that? But anymore, life just goes by so quickly. <laughs> they told me that when I was little, you know, that, well, one day you'll figure out that time does move real quick. Well, November has come. And November is a beginning of a new season. Um, well, we had a time change, didn't we? And some of you finally caught up with that one hour of sleep, didn't you, this morning? Um, you know, this time of the year, the weather gets cooler. We've been seeing that, experiencing it. One of the things I enjoy is the geese flying over. I just love that, hearing them honking and, and moving forward. And seasons are changing. Well, it's also introducing us to the holiday season. If you're a Hallmark movie fan, you notice they've already been putting their Christmas movies on, getting us ready for Christmas, I guess. And, uh, but, you know, it's leading us into the holidays from Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. It's, it just kind of sets the mood here. You know, we're entering into a new season, so to speak, of, of the year here. But to, this morning, I want to look at the subject of Thanksgiving. I want to give ourselves, uh, get, uh, get into this particular subject. And I know it's a familiar subject, but I want to uh, look at it again, maybe with some fresh eyes here. Uh, Thanksgiving. My message titled today is simply taken from Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15. And be thankful. Simply that. And be thankful. And as I uh, consider the first Thanksgiving, and I want to just take you back in your, your history here just a little bit to the year 1621, approximately, well, 400 years ago. 1621, actually the first Thanksgiving took place in October of that particular year with the pilgrims. And uh, I want to just talk a little bit about that. You know, it, uh, this, the, the arrival of the pilgrims, so to speak, was uh, uh, a plan that was being worked out for many years. Actually, in 1608, the separatists, as they were known at that time, they weren't known as pilgrims. Uh, they were known as separatists. They were li living in England, and they had adopted as Christians a little bit different uh, worship style than the liturgical churches. Actually, because of that, because it was so different than what the liturgical churches, the Church of England and so forth, was, had come to accept over 16 centuries of, of worship, that it was so strange to the Church of England that they began to harass these this group of Christians. 
And from that, some of them were put in jail for their faith because of, of what they, you know, believed. They, they believed, they didn't accept, so to speak, the, that liturgical form. They wanted to be freer in their worship. And I have to believe that what we experience today in many of our churches and in this church is, uh, was birthed in some of those uh, meetings that the separatists had. Well, in 1608, they moved to Holland because of the harassment. And for 12 years, they were there as, as uh, immigrants, so to speak, because they had heard that there was greater freedom or a religious freedom there. Uh, but over time, it, they began to realize this was not their calling. This is not where they wanted to be. It wasn't working out as they thought it would. And so uh, they, they started migrating back to England, but their whole purpose and this is what they felt. They felt the will of God for their lives was to go to the new world. And so they uh, went back to England. They, they got a ship. We know it as the Mayflower. And they uh, began to sail. They arrived in October of 1620. And uh, it was a hard experience, actually. It was a very difficult experience for them uh, uh, because they've already been going through a number of things here. But then you put them in the North Atlantic at that time of the year. There was storm after storm after storm. And with this uh, small ship that they were in, it was always rolling and people were nauseated. It, and and for, for most of the trip, for seven weeks of the trip, the majority of people except the crew had to be underneath the top part of the ship. And you can imagine 102 people in a confined space for seven weeks, and it's, it's not going like you want it. And then they wind up on the shores of, actually, they, did, they wound up not exactly where they wanted to, but they began to realize that, oh, maybe this was God planning us where, we were, where, where they landed. And with that, uh, they had an extreme winter, uh, they lost some of their family members and so forth. But then the next spring and summer was a real godsend to them because of the crops. They met the Indians. The, you know the story of Squanto helping them. Uh, that's an interesting story in and of itself. But uh, they began to help and, and made provision for the coming winter. Well, in October of that year, of 1621, they held the first Thanksgiving. It was a time of celebration. Actually, it was a three-day period for them. And uh, about 90 Indians showed up to uh, join them with the feast. And, and so they had to dip a little bit into their reserves, but the Indians brought some stuff with them as well. And it was quite the opportunity. But it began. It began, this, this whole celebration, this time of Thanksgiving began, and this really set the tone for all that took place, and that was William Brewster's prayer. Now, he was the leader of the, of the group at that time, but in this prayer, it was one of Thanksgiving. Oh, they had so much to be thankful for. Now, wait a minute, they've just endured a lot of hardship. They've lost family members. Uh, it, it hasn't been easy for them. But there was such a spirit about them. They had so much that God had provided for them. Uh, and even if they had lost a family member, spouses, children, they thank God that they were now in heaven. They recognized the, what, what God had done and taken them home with, with him. But God had provided for them. And so there was just this sense of celebration that took place. In the years that have followed, 
Many of our presidents have issued proclamations for each Thanksgiving, whether it was uh, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Harry Truman, uh, the list goes on. I want to quote here from eight, uh, 1957. This is Dwight D. Eisenhower in his proclamation for Thanksgiving. He says, at this time of the year, our hearts uh, move us to follow the wise and reverent custom inaugurated by our pilgrim fathers more than three centuries ago of setting aside one special day for expressions of gratitude to a merciful providence for the blessings bestowed on us. And he goes on to say this, it behooves us. Now, I think they understood something uh, in 1957, maybe that uh, some of our political leaders don't today, but he said this, it behooves us to dwell upon the deep religious convictions of those who formed our nation out of a wilderness and to recall that our leaders throughout the succeeding generations have relied upon Almighty God for, for vision and strength of purpose. Amen. Now notice that. He says it behooves us to remember, to remember our roots, to remember our roots as an American. Amen. Here, here are these people on the Mayflower, and they were separatists, but then we call them pilgrims. And yet their whole purpose was following the will of God. God, we want your will. And in a sense, they were on a mission to come to the new world and uh, to spread the kingdom, the kingdom of God. And, and they were very effective in doing that. Now, I want us to turn in our Bibles this morning to Colossians chapter 3. This is where we're going to begin here. Uh, Colossians chapter 3. And as we do, we'll read uh, a number of verses here. Colossians chapter 3, let's start with verse 12. Notice the attention that uh, the Apostle Paul is giving to the new life. He's, he's telling us to put on some new clothes. Colossians 3.12, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Say those last three words with me. And be thankful. Amen. Notice what he's encouraging us to do as believers. We're to put on these things, and ultimately it's put on love. You know, that love is the motivating factor in our lives. And he says, let the peace of God rule. But notice the setting that the peace of God is to rule. Number one, it rules in our hearts. Amen. This peace becomes the umpire of everything that we choose. Is, is God leading in this? Well, where's his peace? What's the, where's the peace of God in my heart? But then he also states this, in the body of Christ, let peace rule in there. Don't be an irritant. Be one that's bringing peace into this situation. And then he concludes with this, and be thankful. Now, in this text, the least the way I read it is that because I'm in the body of Christ, I can be thankful for each and every one of you. Amen? So I want you to look at your neighbor and just tell them, I'm glad you're part of the body of Christ, and I'm thankful for you. Amen. You just expressed thanksgiving. Amen? Glory to God. And be thankful. <laughs> and be thankful. 
You know, it's more than a holiday. It's more than a season. Actually, it's a way of life, isn't it? And be thankful. Oh, going back to the pilgrims, let's look at them again. Here they were, confined in the hall of the Mayflower for, for almost three months, or a, couple of, a little over two months. And they had to work some things out among themselves. You get a, bu- a bunch of people together like that, confined like that, I mean, they're not going anywhere other than maybe two feet this way and two feet that way. Uh-huh. But here they are in the midst of all of that. Can, can you imagine people stepping on each other's toes? <laughs> Hurting each other's feelings? Oh, my goodness. Mm, getting into each other's way? One author put it this way. It added up to seven weeks of hell in an ill-lighted, rolling, pitching, stinking inferno, the kind that brings up sins that have lain buried for years. <laughs> Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's self-pity, bitterness, vindictiveness, jealousy, despair. All these surface sins had to be faced, confessed, and given up to the Lord for His cleansing. And no matter how ill they felt or how grim the daily situation was, they continued to seek God together, praying through despair and into peace and thanksgiving. In the story that I read, uh, there was one individual that got sick and tired of being under the, underneath there in the hall. And he decided in the midst of the storm to go out on top. Well, the captain had given a strict order, do not do that. Well, as soon as he got up there, he got swept off the, the boat. And uh, uh, lucky for him, the, uh, the sailors who were there threw a rope out to him, and they, he caught it, and they pulled him back in. Well, he didn't come back out again. He, he learned his lesson real quick there. But here, here's a group of people. Think about this. Here is a group of people, these pilgrims. They're bound together by a mission. They're headed in the same direction. They had to work through things together. Mm-hmm. They didn't have anywhere else to go. Well, I think I'll go over here now. <laughs> they didn't have that opportunity. They didn't have that choice. They had to work through their issues. It was a hard I would say much harder life than what we, any of us, know. But one quality kept breaking the surface here for them, and that was thankfulness, thankfulness. And be thankful. Now, let's say it again. And be thankful. Mm, Glory to God. Now, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12 for a moment. Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to keep pulling in the pilgrims here and and what they experienced. But notice in Hebrews 12, in the last two verses of this chapter, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 and 29. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Now notice he, he tells us to get our attention off of the natural things because everything that's going to be shaken will be shaken. The scripture tells us that. And, and we shouldn't become so alarmed when we see this issue and that issue happening, natural disasters, this, that, and the other. Why? Things are being shaken. Well, for one reason, God wants people's attention. Hey, give me your attention here. There's somebody besides you out there. I'm here. I need, you need me in this situation. But notice, because we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, there's this phrase right in the middle here that says this, let us have grace. Now, this, this word uh, 
this phrase here is always a little bit confusing to me until I begin to look at other versions and, and what, this, what does this mean? Let us have grace. Actually, the word grace here is the same word in the, in the Greek uh, Bible uh, oh, oh, as we found over there in Colossians 3.15. And be thankful. Be thankful. Because we're receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, be thankful. Let us have thanksgiving. This is so good. I have to believe that the, the pilgrims had their hopes built on the kingdom that cannot be shaken. They endured the persecution. They endured the mockings, the unsafe travel conditions, and even the, the troublesome start to their new life there in America. But they had their eyes on something greater, and that was the kingdom of God. The scripture again says, let us have grace, or simply... Let us be thankful. Mm -hmm. Other translations use this word here. Let us have thankfulness or cherish thankfulness or render thanks or be filled with thankfulness. Because we are receiving this unshakable kingdom, glory to God, because we know things that, you know, it's not just this life here. There is a greater life. We can have thanks. The Message Bible, and I love this translation here. Listen, I'm going to read verse 28 and 29 from the Message Bible. Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. <laughs> and do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God. For God is not an indifferent bystander. He's actively cleaning house. Um, torching all that needs to be burned. And he won't quit until it's all cleansed. God himself is fire. Thankfulness. Thankfulness. <laughs> well, that's the appropriate response to the pr particular privileges that we have in the Lord. And we're not dependent. We're not dependent upon a shakable kingdom. We have an eternal kingdom, an unshakable one, the kingdom of God itself, the kingdom... That is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So in the midst of all that's being shaken around us even today, I think you could probably name a few things. All the distress, all the uncertainty, all the perplexity, the confusion that's out there. We have an unshakable kingdom. We have peace, we have security, and we have purpose. And because of that, what is our response? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. The New American Standard reads it this way. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude. Oh, glory to God. So when, when, do we, when, when we express this gratitude, it releases our spirits for acceptable worship, and service. Isn't that what he says here? He says that we might serve God acceptably with reverence and, and, and godly fear. Without gratitude, our service to God will not be acceptable and it will not release our spirits. An unthankful person is bound up in himself. You ever, you ever met one of those people? Mm -hmm. He's self-centered. He really cannot know true liberation, but thankfulness releases our spirit. Ah, glory to God. 
it releases us to be able to do what God's called us to do, thankfulness. Now notice 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 for a second. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Remember as a kid, if you were in Sunday school, you would memorize verses. And then you would be asked to, to quote a verse. You know, I thought as a kid one time that well, I couldn't think of one right off other than John eleven thirty five. 35. Jesus wept. Mm-hmm. That was easy. I got that one. But actually in the Greek New Testament, that's not the shortest verse in the Bible. Actually, it's 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 16. Rejoice always. But let's keep reading here. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And then one more verse there. Quench not the Spirit. In everything, give thanks. Now, that's a kind of tough assignment sometimes. But I think of those pilgrims again. In everything. Wow, they've gone through some things, some hard things. But you know what? We go through some hard things. But in all things, give thanks. And notice it specifically does not say for all things. Amen. There are things that happen in life that are not from the Heavenly Father that are not good, amen? As Acts 14 and verse 22 tells us, Acts 14, 22, and that's not in the, the notes there, but I want to read this anyway. Acts 14, 22, uh, Paul is encouraging the believers here. He's strengthening them, and he says this, um, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. I think Paul knew how to, in the midst of tribulations, give praise to God. Don't, don't you believe that? Paul and Silas were in jail. Here they were in the Philippian jail. Their backs bleeding. They're hurting. They're in stocks, so to speak. And it says at midnight. Midnight tends to be the, that hour, the darkest hour. But they were heard by the prisoners singing hymns, praising in the midst of it all. And because of that, the, the jail doors open. Amen. I think of Joseph of the Old Testament where he was able to say, maybe we'd be able to say, this is Genesis chapter 45 and verse 5. As he was speaking to his brothers as when they discovered who he was. Remember what they did to him? They sold him as a slave. <laughs> That's rough. That's real rough. I mean, they hate you so much, they will sell you to a group of people to, that you'll be a slave for the rest of your life. They, they were hoping to get rid of him. Well, he, he pops back up, doesn't he, in their life. Uh-oh, what's going to happen here? But here, he's gone through some experiences. And, and I have to believe there was some refining that was taking place in Joseph's life. Because listen to what he said. This is Genesis 45, verse 5. He says, Do not, therefore, be grieved or angry with yourselves. Because you sold me here. You know, he's not going to let that die. You sold me here. But because of what has taken place in his life, he saw something greater. He saw the, the, the move of, the, of God, what God was doing. And he said, for God sent me before you to preserve life. In this, in this terrible thing that you did, yet God turned it around here. And you're here today because I can help you. I can make a difference. There was no vindictiveness in his, 
his speech here to them. There was no anger that says, well, just do away with them, kill them all. No, he didn't say that. We see God at work in his life. You know, on my way to where I work every day, they've had some road construction, and there's a sign there. It says, men at work. Well, they want you to be careful. They want you to know what's going on here. But, you know, I think we have to put up that sign in the spirit in our lives. God at work. God is at work in our situations, in our life. Glory to God. We may not see it with our eyes, so to speak, but God is at work. Amen? Building in our lives. And Nehemiah, he put it this way. He was referring back to the time of when Balaam cursed the the Hebrews there under Moses. But Nehemiah says this, however, our God turned the curse into a blessing. Mm Mm-hmm. But notice the command here in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. In everything, give thanks. Mm-hmm. Well, the opposite is also true. If we do not, do not give thanks, we are being disobedient. Uh-oh. <laughs> we're, we're out of the will of God. In addition, failing to give thanks quenches the spirit. Our spirit, uh, not only God's spirit, but our spirit to serve God acceptably. Well, well, we serve him through a thankful spirit. Thank you, Father. I get to serve you. Thank you, Father, for what you've done in my life. Amen? But then Hebrews 12, 29 concludes with this. For our God is a consuming fire. In other words, we have to approach this holy, awe-inspiring God with the right attitude. We come to him with thanksgiving, don't we? Gratitude is that essential ingredient for any relationship. Whether it's our relationship with the Lord, as Psalm 95, 2 tells us. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Or Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. I come with thanksgiving. But then our relationship with people as well. You really you realize how important that is in dealing with people? Mm-hmm. Wow. And one key relationship that we deal with if you're married is the marriage. You, know, you got your spouse there. Giving thanks for and with your spouse is, is one of the most significant habits that you can build into your marriage. You realize that? Being thankful for them. <laughs> if you're not care- careful... A couple can lose an appreciation for one another in the day in, day out of just living. It gets busy. And many times we shoot from the hip. And by that I mean, uh, I'm going this way, and she says, I'm going that way, and, and we really don't communicate. And I tell you what, things begin to get uh, on the inside of us where we're not as happy with each other as we used to be. Well... There's a nautical term. Now, we talked about the pilgrims and all the storms they faced. Well, there's another nautical term here I want to pull from, and it's familiar to all sailors, those who had sailing ships, and that is the doldrums. You familiar with the doldrums? Well, actually, this is a condition near the, that happens uh, near the, earth, uh, uh, near the uh, equator. 
And uh, sailors would, in, in that time of sailing, they were very cautious about getting into that part of the ocean in, in certain times of the year because there would be no wind for weeks on end. And if they got caught out there, uh, it was like, make sure you have plenty of food and that you don't go stir crazy and that, you know, you, you're dealing with sickness and so forth. They kind of avoided the doldrums because there was no wind. They would just sit there. Mm-hmm. Well, marriage can find itself in the doldrums. It seems nothing is propelling them forward. A fresh wind is needed instead of just drifting. Okay. And one aspect of getting a fresh wind in our marriages is thankfulness. Thankfulness, gratefulness needs to be intentional and it takes time. It can be that fresh wind in your marriage sails, so to speak. If this is an area of struggle for you, you're going to have to be intentional. First, what we have to do is think of uh, one reason that you're thankful for your spouse. Now, for some, it might be hard just because they haven't done it in a while, all right? But, you know, sometimes we have to use our brains, okay? And we have to think. Think think okay and begin to discover what it is you know what is it they do um, you know it's so easy to get critical it is so easy to get critical and we look at sarcasm I was at Walmart the other day and I saw this guy with a uh, the t-shirt on it said something about sarcasm you know that's his native language or something like that well I think we have to be careful with that uh, but you know we need to move over to Thanksgiving Thanksgiving in uh, th thanking God for who we have in our life here. What do they do? Well, here's some ideas. They take out the trash. <laughs> or he goes to work every day. That's a novel idea in our world, isn't it? He goes to work every day. Thank, I'm, I'm glad you bring a paycheck in, okay? Uh, she's a great mother. She makes the bed, what, whatever it is. Well, write it down. Look at it often. Remind yourself of it. It may be simply remembering the special times that you've had together. But something begins to happen when that thankfulness begins to work in your heart. It gets a, like a snowball rolling here. And the other person will pick up on it as well. <laughs> it opens the door for, let me say it this, a mutual cycle of appreciation. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's simply human nature that when a person feels appreciated the more likely they are to state appreciation in return or for others. Practicing gratitude in marriage can have that snowball effect because as one spouse expresses thanks and appreciation, the same more naturally flows from the other. What, do you, what can you do here? Well, simple notes are nice, aren't they? You ever get a note from your spouse you didn't expect? I'm not talking birthday. I'm not talking Christmas. I'm not talking Valentine's Day. I'm talking just a note you didn't expect, like in your lunch, all right, in your lunchbox. Uh, if you take a lunchbox to work, I do occasionally, and Charmaine does too on occasion. We'll do that. But drop a note in there, I'm thinking of you. Or maybe a quick text, I'm thinking of you. I appreciate you. You're special to me. Amen. I remember when our boys were at home, and our middle boy, he uh, 
I was in the practice of uh, making their lunches, packing their lunches. Well, there came a point I thought I'd do something funny, okay? Well, I, we had dogs at that time, and I, I, we had those little dog biscuits, you know, that you get at Walmart. And So I put one of those in his lunchbox, okay? He was so embarrassed when he found that in there. He'd never let me make his lunch again. Well, it had good, two good things there. Number one, I don't have to do it anymore. He gets to make his own lunch. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Ideas here, parents, okay? Uh, mm. It's so easy to be critical. It's very natural to do that. You do this, or you did that, or I mean, the list goes on, blah, blah, blah. And nobody's really happy. But we can rise above the negativity that can be so prevalent in marriages and allow a grateful spirit to allow a fresh wind to blow in our marriages. We all need that on occasion. Now, let's, let's look at some practical things here just we can do. I've got five things here uh, that, that we can do it. Okay. Number one, make a shared gratitude journal. Mm-hmm. In other words, write down those things that you are thankful for, that you share it. Each one sees it there. You write those things down, whether it's daily or, or weekly, but you go to it when you get lonely or frustrated. All right, this is what I think here. This is what I've written. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Amen. Secondly, pray together. So important. Pray together. Wow. There's nothing like praying together. You know, as you follow the New Testament and where it talks about prayer, uh, whether it's the Lord's Prayer or Paul talking about prayer, one of the great things that he mentions is how thankful he is. He begins the prayer, thanking God for these Christian believers. Thankfulness. So when we pray at the dinner table, and I hope you do, I hope you spend at least some time there at the dinner table as a family that you pray, that you thank God for each member of the family, for your spouse. Amen? It it just makes a difference when you pray together. Uh, We thank Him together for all that He has given to us. Then thirdly is use body language. And this is more than uh, just words. Words are, are, are significant, but appreciation expressed in the unspoken is powerful. Maybe it's that touch. Just the touch on the hand, on the shoulder. I care for you. I love you. It may be making eye contact with them. When's the last time you really made eye contact with one another? I think that's important. Looking into those baby blues. That's what won you in the first place. Mm-hmm. You're looking at each other. You're looking into their eyes. You don't say, well, let me stare deeply into your ear. No, you don't say that. You say, let me look into your eyes here. Oh, remember when you're dating, you look into each other's eyes. Wow. I look into Charmaine's eyes, and, and I tell her. I tell her all the time. That's what won me right there. Uh, those eyes. She, looking right back at me. I just look at those eyes. My goodness. Yes, the eyes have it. Glory to God. It Glory to God. Amen. A simple smile. A simple smile. You know, one of our tr- 
uh, trips in Russia. This is back in the early 90s, right after the, the Iron Curtain had fallen, and we started going to a particular city, uh, Skov, Russia, and, and it was a military city, and they just opened it up. And, and so you had to be careful. You just had to be a little bit careful in how you approach things. And, and so our interpreter was with us, and we were getting on public transportation one time. And he said, he made this comment, do not smile. <laughs> do not smile. Now, you have to understand the whole connection here. What, what's going on here? For these people under the oppression of communism, socialism, people reported on everybody else. You never knew who was going to report on you. So you just kept your eyes down and you kind of blended in. You didn't want to make waves. You didn't want to attract any of attention at all. And, and so here, here, here we are. We're being told, don't smile. I mean, that comes second nature for most of us, doesn't it, here in America? But the, our interpreter said this, but you Americans, you know, you've got one issue going against you, for you, whatever. Your eyes are smiling. Your eyes are smiling. Now, under that system, fear and oppression intimidation people were I mean they were bound they you know they didn't trust there was all this working against them but you know in Christ we come and he liberates us doesn't he he allows us to lift our shoulders and our head and we can smile we can look at each other in the eyes amen you know a smile is so important to start your day with Smiling at your spouse, smiling at your children. You know, it's real easy to, I wish these kids would straighten up. You know, it's real easy to go there. But, you know, we need to start, learn to smile. You know, it's so natural not to smile, but to smile. They even tell us in business that when you're on the phone with somebody, smile. Because people can catch the attitude. Well, as believers in our homes, I think we need to do more smiling. Because there's joy in our heart, isn't there? We say there is. Well, let's, let our, let's convince our face of it. Amen? Glory to God. Mm. One of the things that uh, in my premarital counseling that I would do with people is that I would... Now, where was I going with that? I had two thoughts, and they both went out the window. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, in, in that premarital uh, pre counseling... Oh, I know what it was. Um, I would encourage them to do this, to look at each other in the eye, maybe take hands, and I would say this. I want you to tell one another, one at a time, you are God's gift to me. If your spouse is here, you're with your spouse, I want you to take their hands, I want you to look them in the baby blues, and I want you to say this, you are God's gift to me. That elevates us, doesn't it? That takes us up. Glory to God. You are God's gift to me. The eyes, the eyes are so important. Are we smiling with our eyes here? Amen? Job said it this way, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully on another woman. Made a covenant with my eyes. My eyes belong to one other set of eyes, and that's Charmaine. Amen? 
Her eyes belong to me. Glory to God. Well, then remember together. This is our fourth one. Remember together. Uh, enjoy reflecting on past memories and seasons that you have shared. <laughs> Be actively grateful for the journey you have walked together, stating appreciation for one another and the shared expenses, experiences. You know, we'll talk about vacations. We'll talk about mission trips. we talk about all kinds of things. And, you know, we, we'd be gone for two two and a half weeks at a time on some of those mission trips, or I would be gone on a mission trip, she would be gone, whatever. But you know, home for us wherever, was wherever we were. Mm -hmm. Wherever we were. If we were together, that was home. Glory to God. Amen. But remember together. Remember the fun things. <laughs> remember the embarrassing things that you did. Mm. Uh -huh. But then lastly, say thank you for even the small things. Yeah. When the trash is taken out, the mundane things. You know, one of my responsibilities I've taken gladly is I will make the bed. That's my responsibility, okay? And then I go in and make, make the coffee too, okay? But, uh, you know, doing those mundane things day in, day out, you know, I want to thank you for doing that. Because you recognize you're intentional here. You're thinking about what's right here in this situation. Again, it's so easy to think about what's wrong. Why don't we start focusing on what's right and po uh, positive? Regardless of roles, norms, and expectations, verbally appreciate your spouse's contributions, even in the mundane. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My wife's a great cook, and it shows on me <laughs> you know I've gained weight over the past few years and but I love to eat her cooking oh my goodness she bakes and she cooks and I love it I'm grateful <laughs> and I tell her thank you for what you have done and then I'll go wash the dishes okay <laughs> Thanksgiving oh my goodness what have we talked about this morning we talked about the separatists or the or the pilgrims and how in the midst of their situations they were thankful that God had brought them to a place. And we can be thankful. You know, even in the situation we're in right here as a church, we're thankful. God, thank you for this, this body, this body of Christ that loves each other. And we pull together and we're seeing the kingdom of God advance among us and in the, in the community here. We have an eternal kingdom that cannot be shaken. Worship team, would you come, please? Amen. I'd like for each of us to stand, if you would. And as we do, and as the worship team's coming, I want you to just lift your hands in thanksgiving. As we're setting the tone here for the month, for, for the day, for, the, for our lives. Lord, thank you. Thank you. We lift our hands in praise and adoration. Thank you, Lord, for, for the good that you've placed in my life. I thank you for this. I thank you, Father, that I'm part of the kingdom, the kingdom of God that's unshakable in a world that is so, sh is so shaking today. Sometimes we don't know what's going to happen next. Lord, we thank you. You are our stabilizing force. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the people that you put in my life. Thank you, Lord, for just the ability to go to work each day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, I ask for a revelation of your spirit in each of our hearts, in each of our lives, even this morning. We thank you for Jesus. 
We thank you for what he has done for us. And we remember. We remember you, Jesus. We remember your work. We remember all that you have done. And our hearts are grateful. We humble ourselves before you this morning. Not arrogant, but recognizing, Lord, your work in our lives. You are at work. And if you'll see us through as, as the word of that came this morning, you'll see us through. You're, you're taking care of us. Thank you. I worship you. And as we step out of this place, Lord, it's, it's because of what you've done and your hold upon our lives. We bless you, Lord. Now, Lord, as we finish this service today, I ask in Jesus' name that, that each heart would be so filled and there would be a fresh wind in each of our hearts, in each of our lives, spiritually, in our marriages, in relationships, at work. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, we bless you and honor you this morning, Father, and give you glory. Amen and amen. Thank you all. Thank you very much.